on a Saturday morning. You are in the zone on the fan. What's up, everybody? Great to be with you for the next couple hours. Sit back, relax, because you are in the zone. I'm Dave Sinekin, joined, as always, by my partner, the professor of hoopology, gopher legend, NBA champion, Double T, Trent Tucker, is in the house. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Davey. How we doing? Uh, things are good, man. How about you? Good. Uh, you know, every Saturday we come in here, and I feel like, you know, we're one week closer to team sports returning, and then... Every Saturday, I feel like I don't know that we actually are. You know, I like yeah. to think that we are, but um, uh, who knows? Um, but as the week moves along, you know, we receive new information about. It seems like the sports is not going to take place. You know, just you know, hearing what you know the Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren is talking about now, maybe only going to you know conference games. You know, during the Big Ten season. Mm-hmm. Pac-12 has followed suit, and then on the other hand, you know, uh, if if things don't begin to improve from a health situation, you know, college football could be in jeopardy. Yeah, and obviously the trickle down effect. If there's no college football, what that does for all college sports. We saw yeah. earlier this week, Stanford cut 11 sports. Yeah, and, you know, Stanford is, I think, generally considered the most successful college athletic program across the board it always earns the high marks okay um and they they cut wrestling they cut rowing they cut uh, men's volleyball a uh, number of women's sports and it it feels like that's just the beginning because if there is no football which funds virtually all of college sports there'd be a lot of uh a lot of college students are going to lose that you know i don't know if they'll lose scholarships i think Stanford is certainly honoring the current scholarships. Yeah, and I think the Big Ten said that if a kid decided not to play, you yeah. know, he or she would not lose their scholarship. Which is the right thing to do, obviously. And, you know, the first step this week was conference games only. We all know what the next step might be, and that is, well, let's try to push football to the spring, you know, and let's see if we can maybe just do it in the spring, give this thing enough time, maybe we can get a vaccine or things will settle down. And if you think about that, college football in the spring, now you've got you know, a number of players who would be drafted a month or two later, and would they opt out of that season um, so as not to you know, get injured or hurt their draft stock? So it could be a very different But we have seen guys decide not to play in bowl games. Yeah, a handful. Yeah, because right. of other things that you just mentioned. Yeah, it, it's happened. Um yeah, I thought I've been thinking a lot about Notre Dame. You know, what does Notre Dame do? You know, the USC game was canceled. The Wisconsin game at Lambeau Field has been canceled now, and I think they have a handful of ACC games because they're obviously in the ACC in basketball. But uh, Notre Dame's got to be really curious about what's what's left of their schedule right now. That's as sure. as conferences yeah. are uh, are closing things down in the non conference season, and then that of course leads to the NFL. And we all you know certainly hope and pray that we have a football season, but. Prominent players, and even this morning, there's been some news about um, there's going to be a big call on Monday about players really wanting to know because they're supposed to report in about two weeks and change. I think the 28th or something is when NFL players report to camp, and they need to know, is it daily testing? How often uh, are we being tested? How is it working? Because of all the sports, football seems like the most at risk, right, as far as 
close contact with, with people. I mean, it's pretty hard to stay socially distant when you play football. So that's the next domino that we're watching carefully. And you know, it always feels like, ah, it's fall. It's, it's so far away. But yeah, it's just around the corner. It really is. And, um, you know, we all obviously want football. Uh, baseball's first up. That's starting up here in a couple weeks. Uh, the Twins uh, have had practices at Target Field this week uh, as they get set for, I think, initially games without fans. It's going to be an empty ballpark. And then I think the hope is if things progress and they're able to play without teams having breakouts that, you know, maybe a percentage of the stadium can be filled, whether it's 10%, 20%. Uh, obviously, I mean, think of the Twins fans just chomping at the bit to just watch that game you know just experience summer as as they're used to experience yeah, very nice summer so far weather-wise a little on the hot side a little steamy I, for I, me I, the last I, couple I, weeks I'll take it. yeah a little little steamy i know you never complain after the winters but oh, um, i'll take it you know these, I love, you know, these I love humid the days i know you do yeah. I, i'm not as huge a fan as you are um so obviously sports is uh hopefully coming back soon there's um Still plenty for us to get to in these couple of hours, and as always, we welcome your input throughout the two hours. If you care to chat with us on any or all subjects, I think you know the drill, 651-989-5326 or a toll-free 800-320-5326, or you can email us to the Bradshaw and Bryant inbox booth at kfan.com. i uh, got some NFL nuggets to get to, and I think, Trent, we should start with the biggest story of the week. Uh, both literally and figuratively, and that's the half-a-billion-dollar deal that Patrick Mahomes signed with the Kansas City Chiefs that will keep him in that uniform until the age of 36. It's 10 years after these next two. He's still going to be paid a pittance this season. Yeah. Uh, but things will kick in. How much is guaranteed? Um, I heard some people talking about some things here and there that they may not be – you know what is worth as we see on paper down the road, but um, I don't have the number. I know but, the injury guarantee is 140 million. But so. you, but maybe you could uh, explain things a little bit better for me. Well, I'm not sure I can. Okay, I know that uh, it's a 477 million dollar deal, which can go up to 503. I think based on how the salary cap looks, he's going to yeah. get a percentage of that cap. And as I said, injured guarantee up to 140 million. Should he suffer a catastrophic injury and not play? He'll still collect 140 million. Um, it's a jaw-dropping deal, right? It's an absolute jaw-dropping deal. We think well, about the, the numbers. The, the numbers for sure. I mean, I. I mean, is you know, Patrick Mahomes has has shown that you know he's worth every penny that the Kansas City Chiefs are willing to to pay him, and, and his performance and has been second to none, but when he's not in the lineup, you can you can see the drop off for sure when he's not around. Well, clearly, yeah, he's he's unlike what we've seen ever, probably, or at least in the, he's in that rare rarefied air of of talents. It tends to get a little crazy. I mean, he's played what two three years. Uh, we certainly like what we've seen. He, he's brought a Super Bowl to them, and when he didn't play, as you said, you know, Green Bay went into Arrowhead in prime time and knocked off the Chiefs because funny, you know, they're not quite the same. How'd the Vikes do when they played the Chiefs without Mahomes? I forget. Uh, Didn't oh, go no, as I well. I, did I, I can remember. Don't recall it going quite as well for, right, the, uh, yeah. for the purple. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just you feel good for that young man for what he's been able to uh, do on the field and how he gets to collect. Now, you know, you talk about what does that do for Dak, you know, and the Cowboys. You know, they waited and waited, and now this deal is here. You can't compare 
Dak and Mahomes, but that's what agents do. They say, all right, the market has now been set. We don't expect Mahomes' money, but, you know, 10-year deal sounds kind of nice, you know, and, and we should get into some huge uh, nine-figure numbers, so let's let's talk. I wonder the, the trickle-down with, with Dak and if it makes it more difficult for him to get a deal with the Cowboys. Well, I, I think the closest... The closest person who could who could come into the conversation about moving into that, if I can say, rare air in terms of, of financial security, it could be uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, the guy in uh, Baltimore. Well, right, uh, and that's going to be the next well, I, question. I, I, but would you? I, I, I think he's the next guy down the road. I'm not saying it's going to happen within the next, you know, year or two. But if he continues to progress and show and put Baltimore in a situation where they can win a championship, I, I have to believe that Baltimore will say, hey, let's lock this guy up for as long as we can. I just don't know if, if Dak Prescott is in that financial class. Well, he's not. No, no I, I don't, he's I, not. I don't think he's there. But that doesn't mean his representation aren't going to try to get him close to that number. Well, that's true. I, I mean, but at some point in time, you have to be realistic as well. Yeah. You know, you don't want to. Price price your guy out of the market, and all of a sudden now he doesn't have a place to go, and then he gets to a, a desperation situation where now he has to take less than what was offered before. So I believe all agents have to be careful. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is is a guy now that has kind of separated himself, you know, from the rest of the pack, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. But um. But going forward, I think Lamar Jackson might be the only guy within the next year or two if he stays healthy and continues to to move forward with his progress. He might be the next guy they can get into that situation. No doubt. Uh, he's the reigning MVP. They had the uh, the playoff game where they fell flat, which left um, a lot of people very much scratching their heads what happened to the Ravens against Tennessee. I just saw as we were coming on, as I was um, squirreling through uh, Twitter, the Ravens are favored in every game this season. They're, they're the only team that right now on paper, all the games have point spreads. Baltimore's favored to win every single game it plays, which means schedule doesn't appear that tough on paper. And so if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, and that seems to be the only real asterisk, because they ask him to do so much as a runner as well, and we know what a pounding any runner can take, let alone quarterbacks who always have targets on their backs, um, he presents the kind of weapon that we've rarely seen. I mean, Michael Vick, I guess, comes to mind. Um, but the way that Baltimore offense is set up, it's disguised so well that, that Jackson just has huge running lanes. And maybe defenses will catch up and figure that out and make him beat them with his arm, which he proved he could do last year. Um, but I think, yeah, one more season like that, not necessarily an MVP season, but another season where Lamar Jackson is that kind of weapon, then yes, I think next. I think as soon as next year, he could be in line for that same kind of money that Mahomes gets. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, with with the talent that he brings to the table, uh, the things he can do to help this team win in so many different ways, you know, health right now is the major concern for him. All the things you just talked about. He's not a big guy. Because, no, he's just not because he, you know, he he leaves the pocket a great deal. But but you know, it's it's hard to hit him sometimes because you know he's so elusive, and and once he gets into open space. It's just hard for anyone to bring him down. It's a good point. He seems to know how to avoid taking that big hit. Not that he runs out of bounds or shies away from it, but he's just got a style where he you don't get square hits on him. And obviously he needs to continue that because he's, he's not built like Mahomes or or, or uh, Cam Newton, you know, guys that can move around a little bit. Um, he's slight. He's, he's, 
He's you know he's faster. He's no question. And you know, in Baltimore, you know, did a very nice job of recognizing that when they were willing to move on from Joe Flacco, is that we're going to have to change some things. You know, Flacco was this type of quarterback, so we had a system, you know, that could fit this game, that could give the team the best chance to win. But all of a sudden now we have this dynamic player who's very athletic, was very creative, that can beat you in so many different ways. So it was up to the coaching staff now to make those huge adjustments to put him in a good situation where he could be successful for the team as well. Yeah, and it trickles down to the backup has to have the same sort of skills because you got to run the same offense if Lamar's out. Suddenly you don't change your entire playbook if he's out. So you've got to make sure your backup has not the same talents, but some of the same abilities to move around and, and run so that you can keep your playbook intact. Well, that's the beauty of coaching and you know being able to, to make those adjustments on the fly because you're not going to find many guys who are walking around you know that can play like Lamar Jackson. And, and if he goes down with an injury, for sure you, you want to keep some things in place, but you know that the guy who's playing behind him brings a different set of skill to the table, and we're going to have to make those adjustments as well. So the guys who are able, you know, to be able to to maneuver and move around and create different situations where players can be successful based on the talent that they're dealing with, you know, those guys become great coaches. Talking about Mahomes' big deal, we know Dalvin Cook would like a new deal. He's made that very clear. He's not going to report until a contract, uh, his contract situation is figured out. I want to chat about uh, a piece Chad Graff had in, in The Athletic a day or two ago. We forget that that Mike Zimmer and, and Chris Spielman are in the final years of their contracts. It was certainly something we all talked about as the season ended. But now as we head into their last years, it's an unusual situation for uh, a coach and GM to not have a new deal in place. And uh, according to Chad's report, um, the coach isn't real thrilled about that. So let's, let's chat about the uh, current situation in the front office uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. They get set to embark on a very different 2020 season. We'll chat about that when we return. Door near you. We are back, 822 on a Saturday morning. You're in the zone. Tucker and Sinekin hanging out until 10 o'clock as usual. We will uh, hand off to T to Green following our show today. Common Man Dan Cole, Ping Guy, Paul Peterson. Talk about the game of golf from 10 o'clock till noon. And then the Saturdays with Sauce uh, follows that program at noon. Live and local uh, each and every Saturday on The Fan. Uh, we'll talk some hoops as we get closer and closer to an NBA reboot and some things to chat about there but we're talking some football right now because um i was interested to read chad graff's story in the athletic a couple days ago reminding us that coach zimmer and spielman are in the final years of their deals and are hopeful to get new deals in place before the season starts uh trent my thinking is it feels like if that hasn't happened yet it's hard to believe it's going to happen before the season starts and it's very very unusual for head coaches, especially ones that you know, have been as successful as, as Mike Zimmer has been, 
to work as a lame duck coach, to be in the last year of his deal. It's 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 eye opening and it, it makes you think because typically when this happens, that's the end. You know, unless it's almost like ownership is saying, Look, I need to see more. I need to see yeah. this team mm-hmm. win a game or two in January if the schedule plays out and we have a regular year. Uh, and growth, and to see that this team is contending in the NFC, or we're going to blow this thing up and, and start over because you know it's it's mid July, and and haven't heard not that we would hear that they're working toward a deal, but those kind of things sometimes leak, and maybe they are working on it. Maybe the the hope is to get a deal done. But if I were a Viking fan, I'd be thinking, man, I I'm wondering about Zim's future right now. Well, as you say, it's it's pretty unusual, you know for GM and head coach to, to be in this situation. But maybe the ownership is saying, hey, like you mentioned, you know, we need to see a little bit more. We need to see this team consistently play well come playoff time. You're going to have to get to this to this level throughout the season for us to, to make a decision that going forward that this is the way we want to stay. And But it's the nature of professional sports. And there's nothing you can can do about it because you're at the mercy of the owners. Only thing you can do as a head coach or as a GM now is to make sure that whenever the season begins, that you have put the right, you know, personnel in place, so that you can find some success. And if your coaching or GM career is going to continue after this year, you're hoping that it is here with Minnesota. But if it's not, maybe you can find somewhere else to go. How do you think it impacts the players? You know. Because, you know, they might put additional pressure on themselves. Like, man, we better, we better win, or, or we're going to lose coach. And the guy that brought me here and drafted me, those guys are gone. If we don't, does it? Do you think, as a player, you think about that and and it adds some stress to them, knowing that the pressure is on this whole organization to produce? It all depends on the relationship that you have with your coach at that time. Uh, if if you guys have a good relationship over the years that you have been together. Uh, you understand that your performance is going to dictate his career going forward. But also, you're hoping that the coach in this in this situation doesn't begin to panic and overreact and allow his emotions now to do some things that he wouldn't normally do and, and then have this confrontation with his players where they may not perform at their best. And if things are not going well, sometimes they can tune him out, and that could be a bad situation as well. So it's, it all depends on on how the head coach is able to handle this situation going forward will determine what type of season he's going to have. In uh, in Graf's story in The Athletic, he does um, not quote, but refer to people who are close to Zim that, that say he's irked, that, that this is out there, and it hasn't been cleared up. And I I don't blame him, Trent. I mean, you, you oh. just don't see this often. New deals are done. Even if it's just a three-year deal, uh, you don't let a, t- a coach play out the final year of his deal, especially one who has reached the playoffs more often than not, that has a 60% winning percentage, an organization that, you know, more often than not is a top 10 type team in this league. And, you know, clearly last year, you know, things look good. You know, the the team performed well and Cook got hurt and, and the offense stalled a little bit. And obviously there are issues uh, with some spots on the team, um, particularly the offensive line. But it's just really unusual to, to put a coach out there and this is a guy that's, you know, he waited so long for this opportunity to, to be a head coach, uh, was passed over, not considered for years and years after being a you know terrific defensive coordinator in Dallas and Cincinnati. Uh, I, think it, I think it's going to affect him. Uh, 
not necessarily how he coaches his team day to day, but he strikes me as a guy where you know he is close to his players. He's a loyal guy, and I'll bet that this bugs him that 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 well, he's for sure because now everyone's talking about it. Well, you're the guy that's got to coach the last year of your deal, really. Yeah, yeah. It, it would bug most coaches, but it's the nature of, of the business. But it, but it's not really because now it doesn't happen very often. But it but it, it can happen, and and ownership. They are in charge, and if they believe that we haven't seen enough over the last two or three years, even though, like you said, they have gone to the playoffs here and there, they got to an NFC championship game, you know, but we're looking for a little bit more, and we're looking at the future of, of what this football team is going to look like two or three years down the road and how the game now is is progressing and changing every time we bring in new college players and new systems you know are we going to be able to make those adjustments with the current coaching staff you know can these guys you know move into a, a new era of coaching football if things continue to change so a lot of those dynamics might be in the place a, as well but it's something that you you really can't worry about because it's out of your control in terms of what ownership is going to do and the only thing a coach can do at, at this stage is to make sure that he has his players best prepared to go out there on Sunday afternoon and do the best they can do. Let's take it from the Spielman side of things, because he's in the last year of his deal, too. Well, by all accounts, he's built a pretty strong team. He's drafted well. Uh, the defensive players on this team, you know, granted, as we've moved along here and the window is closed for some and they've moved on from a handful of players uh, this offseason, by and large, he's done a pretty good job. Now the elephant in the room is the quarterback spot has been, until they paid the big money for Cousins, was was difficult to, to find the right guy. And, and the offensive line has never really found its footing. You know, they haven't found a, a group of five guys that can play together for a few years like most um, top-tier teams. Make sure that offensive line is set. And then everything else kind of builds off of that um, to protect your quarterback and so forth. Um, I, I'm a little surprised that that Spielman is is also hanging out there because I feel like most people looking at this organization would say, you know, they've got a lot of talent there. They have for a number of years. They've found guys like Thielen, undrafted that have become stars. Yet there have been you know a few little locker room issues. We know Diggs kind of worked his way out of town and and wasn't happy with um, his role or or the way the situation went down. Um, but as I feel about Zimmer, I guess I feel the same way about Spielman. I think most would say he has done a pretty good job at at filling this roster with talented players and finding them not just on day one, but you know throughout the draft. He's done a nice job. Oh, for sure. Uh, um, just I guess it must go together. Zimmer and Spielman together. You know they're they're sort of locked in. And if this team doesn't perform like the Wolves want, they're going to make the decision to to move on and find new guys. Well, and you know football right now is is just like every other major sport. We have no idea what's going to happen over the next two or three weeks or so based on the situation that we all are living with. And do we really want to put ourselves in a situation today and say we're going to guarantee a coach three or four or five more years? You know, we're just going to wait and see. And ownership has that right. But if you're, but if you're the individuals who are in this situation where you only have one year left on your deal, yeah, you can be upset for sure. And most coaches and GMs would be. But at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about it. You nope. know, there's 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 no need to, to sit down and, and cry over spoiled milk because you still have to go out here and perform. And Spielman has done his job in terms of bringing the right personnel through the draft and or free agency or finding the right players to fit into the system and, and, and allow Mike Zimmer to do the things that he needs to do to be a successful head coach. 
then everything will work it will work itself out. Yeah, you just wonder if the season starts off slowly, you know, two and three, two and four, whatever it might be. Um or pressure will, will yeah. for sure will begin to mount. And and does that start getting talked about? Like, oh man. Oh, no doubt about it. Be, because that's just not real healthy. Well, because you, know, for, you for and the I team. right now are talking about it as well. Yeah. Well, that's what we're paid to do. <laughs> right. You know, that it's an interesting it's just it is interesting because by all accounts, this has been a successful organization mm-hmm. since Zimmer has gotten here and Spielman has gotten here. Well, I mean, yeah, there are a couple see, bad seasons here and there, but yeah. but they always seem to be in the mix and they have a, a team that you know, has plenty of, of talent that other teams would die for. For sure. But um, you know, they haven't you know, they reached one championship game and, and obviously haven't won it. So maybe the Wolves say we need to win a title. And, and well, maybe that they're not thinking that at some point in time this may not be the right coach for this team going forward. Mm-hmm. We might need a different voice. We might need a different look. I mean, let's go back to our switch sports. Let's go back to the latter part of the eighties. Chicago Bulls were a very successful basketball team under Doug Collins. You know, they lost to the Detroit Pistons in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. But Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf said, hey, you know, we love Doug Collins. He's been great for us. But something is missing. Something is missing. We just cannot get over the hump. You know, we need a new voice. We need a new look. We need something different for this basketball team going forward. You know, they made the, 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 the critical decision uh, to remove Doug Collins from his head coaching position to bring in Phil Jackson, who was very unproven. But they just felt like that his approach to the game at that time was the right fit for the Chicago Bulls, and we saw how things turned out for them going forward. It worked out okay. Yeah. Uh, it was the right call for Chicago. Uh, it's just going to make for another interesting element uh, if and when we play football, knowing that that elephant in the room is, is sitting there in the corner and – um you know, the Vikes need to go out and, and, and win games early. And, and it's going to be very interesting. Unless, you know, they put a deal together between now and, yeah, anything, you know, and September, possible. which certainly could be happening. But as a head coach, you, you, you want to make sure, or if anyone in leadership is in this situation, is that, is that you don't allow your personal situation to have a negative influence on the team. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I believe that he's going to have to guard against. And if things get off to a slow start, I don't think they were will make a move right away in in the first part of the season. So he's going to have to manage just his emotions and make sure that he can keep any personal conflict away from the team, so that the team can have a chance to gel and come together. Yeah, agreed. And again, the unusual aspect to the season puts another layer on this because he doesn't have a chance to work with all the new players on his defense. He doesn't have a chance to you know, the mini camps and the OTAs to kind of put that system in. So, I mean, everyone's playing by the same rules, but if you're going to be judged by this season, you know, it's going to be a different season. I mean, if it's week one and the Packers are at U.S. Bank Stadium and the place is empty and there's no sound and you lose that home field advantage and now it's just two teams playing and and one team, the Vikes, have new coordinators that haven't really been able to practice much. Maybe there's no preseason games and and trying to get these guys to play versus a Packer team that's fairly intact from a season ago, it gives Green Bay a big advantage to come into U.S. Bank in an empty stadium in Week 1 against a team that maybe has some more question marks. So it's just a different year, and you got to you know, – it is what it is. It is but what it is. It, um, you know, if you're judging Zimmer and Spielman based on this season when – their draft picks haven't had a chance to get. I mean, they're counting on draft picks to contribute. They expect Jefferson to step on that field and be a starting receiver. If there's no preseason games, how productive do you expect any rookie receivers to be? 
the first four to six weeks of the season. So it just, um, I don't know, I feel like they're up against it a little bit because of the oddness of this offseason being one where they're being judged and maybe their jobs are hanging in the balance. Well, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, everyone's playing by the same rules. So no one is going to have a, have an advantage, you know, when game one starts, if game one starts. Mm-hmm. But we're here. We're here. And as a head coach or a GM or a player, you know, everyone would like to have an extension added if they have one year left. But if you can't get that at this time, you have to move on. Yeah, you can talk to your friends about, I'm upset about this, or upset about that. Allow your, your personal feelings to, to be let out away from the, the practice facility, away from the stadium, so your players don't, don't see this or management doesn't see this. And you always have to stay in control when you're the head guy in charge, no matter what the circumstances are around you. Your players are looking, looking at you in terms of leadership, and you're going to have to display that leadership on a daily basis. We have to pause. We'll take calls on this subject and come back and uh, discuss a prominent player, maybe the first one to say, I'm not comfortable uh, playing football right now under the present rules and that uh, can't make Tom Brady real happy to hear it. Uh, more NFL conversation. When we're t- the Fan. We're back, 8.42 on a Saturday morning. You're in the zone. Tucker and Sinekin hanging out with you on this Saturday morning, the 11th day of July. This would be, would this be Wimbledon time right now? Double T, I always get, or would it have passed already? Or When is when is Wimbledon usually? By this time, yeah. Right now. Yeah. So, obviously, they're not having Wimbledon. No. Is there, are, they, are they delaying it, or is it canceled for this year? I think it's going to delay it, I think. Trying I'm to push sure. it back a few yeah, months? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'll check that out. Well, we were talking about the Ryder Cup last week, and I think that's officially been postponed till next yeah. year now. Um, again, you've got to have fans for the I, Ryder Cup. I, I believe the U.S. Open in New York right now, as of today, I think, is still set to take place. But I just don't know how. Right. It, and a lot of times it's just let's, they're postponing the inevitable, right? And that's yeah. kind of what we're worrying about with college football. you got to move players all across the, all across the world when you talk about tennis. Yep. Just don't know how they're going to get that done. Exactly. We were chatting about the uncertain contract situation of Coach Zimmer and GM Spielman. Have a call or two uh, on that subject. So let's head down to San Antonio and welcome Frank to the program. Good morning, Frank. You are in the zone. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you all doing today? We're doing well. Good. Good, good, good. Hey, um, you know, you got Spielman. I think he should have been fired a couple years ago that's my opinion about that i think we talked about this before uh both of these guys the coach and the gm are kind of handcuffed to uh kurt d cousins which 
I think we talked about this before. I don't think this this guy's a guy. Here he had his chance in this offseason to bring in uh, a guy like Cam Newton, even a guy like Kaepernick, and compete. You know, the job of the GM is to make the team better. If you think you're going to go into a season with Kurt Cousins and Sean Mannion, when you could have had maybe Colin Kaepernick and Cam Newton, I mean, if if I had to choose a pair of those guys, I would go with the Kaepernick-Newton deal. And Zimmer, he's played out as far as I'm concerned. You know, coaches can only go so far, and if they can't get it done, you've got to you've got to make the change. So if he's upset about that extension, then, you know, he needs to win, and he needs to win it all, basically. And I don't think it's going to happen. You know, the offensive line is still at work. Uh, the running game is good until Cook gets hurt, and then it's a question mark, even though I like their, their backups are pretty pretty good. Uh, so I'm just saying – I wouldn't extend. I wouldn't give any of these guys extensions. I, if I was Wilf, now this is going to be up to Wilf. You know, if he maybe he needs to go get a new prescription on his glasses because if he can't see that, if you stick with something so long and you know you and you expect different kind of results and they're always the same, I think they call that insanity. I don't know what that's called. But they call it something. <laughs> All right, stay safe down and, there in and, Texas, Frank. I'll let you go on that. Thank you for the call. Um, he's right in that. I think the the future is tied to the cousins' um, success or failure. Um, a lot of GMs' futures are tied to the quarterbacks they decide to roll with. The backup situation, I think, is interesting. We've chatted about it. It's not a um, a surprise or, or something stunning to to announce that Sean Mannion's the backup and that they did not try to improve uh, with in, in a year where Cam Newton, Jameis Winston were out there now looking to possibly accept backup jobs and a lot less money than they're accustomed to just to find the right place. And obviously Kaepernick's situation is sort of on on its own island. I wonder if they purposely didn't bring in a veteran worrying about what that might do to Cousins and and knowing that there's a guy right behind him. He better. I mean, his money's guaranteed. He's going to get paid. But um, are are you surprised? Look, not every year is there a quarterback's available, veteran quarterbacks available either former mvps like newton or productive quarterbacks like winston that are out there on the market to be had on the cheap uh, even nick Foles, who cost a little more for the bears to make the move and, and as far as draft picks go are you surprised at all that minnesota didn't invest in a uh, more proven backup quarterback maybe not to push cousins out of the job but to provide maybe a little spark like look we expect, and hey, look, Cousins was fine last year. He had some nice numbers, but you know, maybe having someone behind him that's played a little bit would boost his performance, knowing that there's some competition. You surprised it didn't do anything? No. Why not? No, because you know you you have gone all in with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And when you guarantee you know every dollar that he's going to get, you are not going to put him in, in a situation like that. You want to give him every chance possible to be your starting quarterback. If he gets off to a slow start, you, you're not going to have the noise outside of, of your football team saying that we need to put this guy in or we, or we need to put that guy in. No, the Minnesota Vikings, they were not going to put Kirk Cousins in that situation.
I hear that, and and I guess the now whether it's right or wrong, that's a different that's a that's a different conversation. No, I get it. Um, I think the comeback might be all right. That's fine. But what if he does get hurt? And he's been pretty sturdy. He doesn't get hurt knocking on wood. He's been out there. If he gets hurt, though, wouldn't it be nice to have a a guy that's played a little bit to step in? You don't really miss too much of a beat as opposed to a Sean Mannion who might be fine. But let's be honest, he hasn't proven anything in this league, and there's plenty of guys out there that, even like a Brian Hoyer, you know, sitting in New England, he's a nice insurance. He's been insurance for Brady for years, and uh, and now I guess he'll be insurance for for Newton. Uh, to have a guy like that, just in case, so that the team can still compete. Well, you talk about Cam Newton, you talk about you know Winston, you know, you're talking about guys who were starters a year ago before Cam Newton got hurt. Yep. And if you bring those personalities to your team and you say you're going to put them in a backup type role, but we all know that they may not be able to handle that situation week in and week out the right way. And I have to believe that the Vikings, you know, looked at these two talented players and said, based on what we have and the deal we have with Kirk Cousins, we just cannot put him in that situation at this stage. We just don't know how this will work out going forward because we're all in. When you give a quarterback fully guaranteed money, you are telling him right now that this is your football team and and we either going to win or lose with you going forward. But look again, look at the Saints, right? I mean, Breeze is that guy and they brought in Teddy Bridgewater saying you know what? Oh, granted, Breeze is older and maybe a little more injury prone, but but, but you didn't look at Teddy Bridge rather as, as as how you would look at you know what Winston was able to do with his numbers in Tampa Bay, even though they they didn't win as much with him as a starting quarterback. But Cam Newton is a whole different is is a whole different personality. You know, Cam Newton was an MVP. Cam Newton got to a, a championship game, Super Bowl wise. You're bringing in a, a different personality. You have to be careful. Yeah, no question. About who you're going to add to your team based on where they are in, in their careers and their mindset. You're all in with this guy right here. You have you have spoken. When you gave him that guaranteed contract for that type of money, you have, you have told in your fan base or you're telling your fan base that this is the guy going forward. You know, either we're going to win or we're going to lose with, with this guy in this situation, and there's no way that we can bring someone in that, that, may, that may upset this Albuquerque. Whether it's right or wrong, that's a different conversation, but I, I'm not surprised by the Vikings not bringing in those types of players. All right, so just final thing before we grab one more call. The Newton, the Winston, the, the, the guys that started last year, in the last couple of years, that's one thing. What about the veteran backups that, that know who they are? They're backup quarterbacks, but they're there to step in in a pinch like a Matt Moore that that's at least proven they could win some games when they've had to start. The Vikes didn't go that route either. And and well, maybe me, they 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 like what they they have behind maybe. uh Kirk Cousins. I mean, they have have they seen this this player behind Kirk Cousins enough to decide that if Kirk Cousins goes down, yeah, they must have right. We we've seen this young player in certain situations. We believe that you know he has the ability to step in and play if Kirk Cousins goes down. So they are the ones that have been able to evaluate this situation more so than us, but I'm but I'm I'm not surprised, you know, that the Vikings did not bring in someone like Cam Newton. No, I get that, and you know, from the Packers' perspective, I've I've it's bothered me for a number of years that they haven't had a veteran like a Hoyer to back up Rodgers because this is a team that's built to try to win Super Bowls with Rodgers, and if he goes out, now you've got some unproven kid coming into play that isn't ready to play, and I've always thought they should bring in a. 
a veteran that at least, you know. Well, it would be hard to put Cam Newton in the situation behind Aaron Rodgers. Uh, agreed. No, I, I, I'm not saying that would have been the perfect spot. I'm talking about the journeyman type guys that have been around for a long time that, you know, don't expect to be starters anymore. But you need them in a pinch, they can win. And then the Packers never went that route either. Matt from Brooklyn Park, good morning. What's on your mind today? Morning, guys. Hey, Trent, I think we're all wondering. Um, last week when I um, brought up, I was promoting the three-point contest, and Dave predicted a Reggie Miller win. Did you get the Aaron Rodgers chip on your shoulder, and you went home and got the boys and said, hey, we're going to the gym. I'm going to take 200, I'm gonna take 200 threes, and you two are rebounding for me. Yeah. You fired up because of your partner? Hey, yeah, but, you know, by the time I left the studio, I, I have forgotten all about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I could tell by the banter that was going back and forth. That's why I brought it up, because I love when you guys spice it up like that. Anyway, that was fun. Anyway, um, Dave, uh, just two quick comments. Dave, th- does Roger's contract go up to like $42 million, um, like in two years? Is that when that starts to spike? Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think it goes up that high that quickly. I'm not positive. Because I, I wanted to talk, and maybe we can talk more about it, but this quarterback uh, money – to me, is getting out of hand. I, I just don't see how this is going to work. I mean, you got guys like Raheem Mostert now that are threatening to hold out because he wants. He I wants think a all trade. These players, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, he wants to trade. I think all these players are going to start seeing this and say, "Hey, I mean, Chris Jones of the of Kansas City." Uh, the point is, the Mahomes contract might be somewhat friendly now, but that money's going to catch up to them. They're going to be lucky to have Kelsey and Hill and Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew when it comes to the time, but. Anyway, that's my thought on that. But as far as this GM and coach thing, you guys, we're going through something similar in Detroit with Quinn and Patricia. They're kind of on notice. you got to contend this year. They kind of changed, not changed ownership, but Martha Ford, like 110-year-old Martha Ford, she stepped down and the daughter's taken over, and I think she's going to be a little tougher. But the difference is they've won here, Zimmer and Spielman. So I kind of understand why they might be a little bit miffed about this. The Lions haven't won anything under it. In fact, Quinn uh, – fired Jim Caldwell, who had three out of four winning seasons. I'll never quite understand that. But also, Trent, you mentioned Doug Collins with the, with the Bulls, and it reminded me of, you guys remember when Flip Saunders was with the Pistons? He was really good with them. He didn't get over the hump. I think he made two Western finals, won a ton of games, but he couldn't get to, get to the finals. Um, and then they brought Larry Brown in, and he won it all. So I think it's kind of similar there. But um, anyway, the Lions is a little bit the same as here, but at least that they've won here, so I don't blame uh, Zimmer and um, and Spielman for being a little miffed. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great weekend. Yep, take it All easy, right. Matt. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Lions a different story, and and Patricia's only been there what two seasons? This yeah, this is his so, third. Yeah, you know, they they yeah. kind of went New England West with Quinn and Patricia, trying to replicate what Belichick and Brady did. And and I I am of the opinion though that that the Lions are going to be a better team this year. That they're going to be an yeah. eight eight maybe nine win team if Stafford plays again all presuming we're playing a regular season yeah uh, i think the lions are going to be much more competitive uh we'll pause i do have one more nfl nugget on the prominent player that says i don't want to play right now the way things are going again tom brady won't be happy about that player at least because he's important to him and uh and lots of nba conversation in uh, our number two as well as we are just a couple weeks away from the restart of the nba season much more in the zone our number two man
We are back, 901 on a Saturday morning here in the zone. Trent Tucker, Dave Sinekin with you for another hour before we hand things off to T to Green with the common man Dan Cole to talk all things golf. We are uh, two weeks away from the uh, PGA tournament here at uh, up in Blaine at the 3M. 3M Championship uh, is two weeks away um, as golf continues to uh, to move forward and figure out a way to participate and have tournaments uh, they're in Ohio this week, the Memorial next week. Your guy Tiger's back next week, Double T, to play in the Memorial. It's about time. See uh, what he can do. Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, well, they've played three or four tournaments. No, you know, kind of the smaller ones. This is the Memorial's a big one. It's yeah. one he's won a number of times. Loves that course, that Jack Nicholas course. It's true. It's about time to see Tiger back on the, back, you know, back on the course. It'll be fun to see what uh, kind of game he has um, after all this time off. So golf... Uh, from uh, the common man, 10 to noon, Tita Green follows our program. We're going to talk some NBA in this hour. I just want to touch on this nugget, Double T, because uh, Tampa Bay left tackle Donovan Smith made some news yesterday saying, um, you know, I'd be risking my health and my family's health. Uh, It doesn't seem like a risk worth taking right now, um, the way things are set up for the NFL. And this is a guy that's been the starter for five years in Tampa Bay. He will protect... Tom Brady's, Tom Brady's blind side, and he's just the first, really. I mean, J.C. Treader of Cleveland, uh, who's the NFL Players Association spokesperson, former Packer, um, said similar things, not quite to that extent, but look, we're a long way from playing football. We, we need to understand the protocols in place, how you're going to keep us safe, how things are going to go before we get on the football field. And and this uh, gentleman, uh, Donovan Smith, was the first one to really say, look, I, I don't think the risk is worth it. Uh, I just wonder, and we all wonder, um, how many players are going to feel that way. And you, you have to, I think, allow an opt-out for players that aren't comfortable without penalty. It's just like um, NFL teams now are telling season ticket holders, look, you can opt out. If you don't want to go this year, um, we understand, and you can come back next year. You're not going to lose your tickets. Yes, that's nice to hear. Well, it needs to be that way because yeah. you're going to tell fans, A, most likely, um, we're only going to have 20 or 25% capacity anyway, so you're going to need four out of five fans to not want to to come anyway. They're going to have to wear masks throughout the game, mm-hmm. and not everybody's going to be comfortable doing that. So um, if, if, fans, if fans are, are... It's the new normal. Correct. And if fans are given the opt-out opportunity, players need to, too. Um you won't get paid, I wouldn't think, and I think that's fair. Look, if you, well, because you choose not to play, you choose not to get right, paid right. as well. If you could, if you could get paid without playing, probably nobody would play. Correct, correct. <laughs> yes, know? then we'd play Madden and just. But no see. one would play. Yeah. Right. No, no, it's not a good deal, man. We send the paychecks anyway, right? So, but you know, we might end up seeing if if we end up playing games, some teams are going to have a handful of guys that say, "I'm I'm out." Yeah. And if it's suddenly Tampa we're, Bay's left tackle, we're going to bring in substitutions. Well, yeah, but is he like, likely like to be the, the same? He's going to do right, right? But they're not going to be the same players, uh, obviously, than the starters that are saying, "I'm not playing." So suddenly, if Tom Brady's blindside protector is gone, uh, and you've got some rookie in there, that changes Tom Brady's effectiveness. So. Oh, for sure. Everything's up in the air. We don't know what this thing's going to look like. But it, the, I think the major concern for for these major sports teams going forward, let's say you, you get all the NBA players and you, you test all the NBA players, you, you got them in this bubble, and everybody comes back negative. But now when you begin to loosen some of the reins here and say, hey, you guys can venture out into the public, maybe go to a restaurant here or there, you can go out and do this and do that, I think the major concern 
It's not whether you're going to contract, you know, COVID-19 from within inside the bubble. Who are you going to be around if you are not around the players 24-7? You know, where's that contact coming from? And did you contract you know, the coronavirus from somebody else? And did you bring it into the bubble, bring it back into the bubble? So I think a, a bigger concern, especially, I believe, for the NBA going forward, is not it's not just about the guys on the inside. It's about when they venture on to the outside. Who would, who would they become close to and, and, and who would they have contact with you know, that could all of a sudden now put these players in jeopardy? Well, right. All right. Look, the fan has learned it's not going well in Florida, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's every day is record new cases, record deaths in Florida, and now we're bringing the NBA to Florida. Uh, then you hear that Disney employees are not being tested. Right, that's a bad deal. That's unbelievable. So right. you mentioned, you know, once we're in there for a while, we loosen the reins. Well, why loosen the reins? You're in a in a world class resort. You can bring in food from anywhere. Why allow them off the property? I mean, I, you're just inviting problems. There's I understand the, it's yeah. tough to keep everybody yep. insulated and in a you know quote unquote bubble. Look, they're not in a bubble. They're they are in a a gigantic resort that they can move around freely, but they they should not leave that resort until their team is out of this out of this tournament. I don't see why. Um, uh, you know what? Everyone's negative. This is going well, so now let's go. You guys can go out to restaurants yes. and bars. Yeah, and that that's just going to change. Well, it's it's going to happen. Yeah, but it can't happen it's, because it, that it, will it end. It's going to happen. You think it, so? Yeah, I believe so. But why? Why loosen the rank? Why say, I look, I, I don't see why. I'm with you. I don't know. If things are going well, then there's a reason why things are going I, I, well. I, I believe it's going to happen. Yes. I mean, I know you, you've said from the start, how do you keep you know, a bunch of 20-something young millionaires to discipline themselves to say, you can't leave this property, that some people are going to. And I'm not naive enough to think that nobody will. But, <laughs> but, to, uh, but to make it a league-wide, hey, this is going well. So you know what? There's restaurants within a five-mile area you are now allowed to... To me, that, that that's asinine. I mean, that now you're just inviting all kinds of problems and probably going to end the reboot. I think you have to be dil- diligent as much as you can to say, this is a bubble. As far as we're concerned, this resort is your bubble. And if you're not in, then don't come. And- well, I think I have to make sure that all staff members, you know, who are, are in the vicinity, they have to be tested as well. No question. Yeah. Everybody needs to. Right. Um, but and, then and- they go home and... They go out to the general public, and if you don't test them, all of a sudden now they come in contact with the players. You're just creating a bad situation. If you're not willing to do it right for everyone, well, then don't do it at all. You know, what you're really doing is putting the older head coaches at risk and the older people in your party at risk. We've heard, you know, Mike D'Antoni and Alvin Gentry, Popovich, you know, these guys, you know, there's concern about, if some of the players contract and give it to these coaches, and Alvin Gentry has some underlying health concerns, and he is going to travel with his team, but there's a couple assistant coaches that aren't for that very reason. Um, you might think as a young player, I can get past this if I get it, but if you pass it on to your coach, he may not. And so I just hope the education is there, that every player understands the risks, not just to themselves and to their families uh, who are with them, but to the coaches and the older people that they are around. Well, it, it all depends if the NBA are able to enforce these rules on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to have tight security. They're going to have to make sure that the players really understand what's at stake here. If you, if you break this, this protocol over here, these are the consequences. 
and they're going to have to be laid out so the players understand exactly you know, what's in front of them. If you make this decision today, this is what's going to happen to you tomorrow. And believe me, whatever they have in place, some players are going to challenge that protocol in place. Yeah, no, I, without a doubt. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. Um, we're starting with 22 teams. Uh, they'll all play eight games, and then six teams will go home, and we'll have the 16 for the playoffs. And then, you know, as the rounds go on, obviously the teams dwindle. And I think so for eight games, if you what, three games or less away from a playoff spot? Yeah, if you're, a ninth, if you're the ninth seed after the eight games and you're within four games of the eighth-place team, then there's a one-to-two-game playoff between okay. eight and nine, and the ninth team has to win two games to, to unseat the eighth team. Okay. But my, I guess my point is you're not going to have 22 teams there for three months. You're going to have 22 teams there for a couple weeks, and then six are going to go home. So you're saying that, okay... My team right now going into this, the final eight games of the season, or what are we going to call it? I'm three games out of the eight, number eight spot. So if I finish three games out of the eight spot when, when these eight games are over, I still have a chance to play in. Yep, you play, that, you play that eighth team in the game, and if you beat them, you play them again. I don't like that. What part of it don't you like? The whole idea of it? Yeah, because the regular season doesn't end that way. No, but this is not a real season. We, we didn't what did play you just say the last eight games being the regular season? I think it's unfair. So I think unfair to the eighth seed, right? Okay, so I, I was able to hold on, and now you're going to tell me I got to go play against a, this team again, and if I lose, I'm going home. Well, you got to lose twice, right? I could, I could lose twice. But you don't deserve to be there. No, no. The regular season, if, if, if this is going to be a continuation of the regular season that was stopped because of the pandemic, yeah. Well, then. To me, I, I just don't think it's fair to the team that finished in the eighth spot at the end of the regular season. All right, and I'm sure I understand that. I don't, I'm not, you know, trumpeting this decision. I, I think what it's tr- they're trying to do is say, look, we're making you reboot this thing and do all this to play eight games, which are fairly meaningless. But, you know, if you are able to play well and get within shouting distance, we're going to give you a shot, even though you have to beat them twice. I, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to lose sleep over it doesn't bother me, though. I don't think it's a big deal. We're calling it the Zion rule. Oh, okay. So give the Pelicans a chance to unseat Memphis and, and get into the playoffs, and everybody gets to watch Zion some more. Oh, okay. If Zion wasn't in the league, I don't know that they would have gone to this rule. Okay. I really don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they Yeah, would. you might be right. Uh, all right, a good friend. Uh, haven't heard from him for a while. John from Minneapolis checks in. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Sinigan. Good morning, Mr. Tucker. John, what's up, my man? Uh, it's nice to hear y'all voice again. And y'all back in studio, I take it, and that's a good thing for those uh, members of y'all fan base, which yeah. I happen to be one. Thanks. Uh, of course, I heard the, the beginning of your show, Mr. Sinigan. Uh, for those people out there who are listening to K-Fan again, this is John from Minneapolis. And, of course, Zimmer needs to stay. Before he came here, everybody in the league was treating the, the Minnesota secondary like a piece of toast and putting jam and butter all on it. We don't need to see that no more. Well, you might see it this year. All your cornerbacks are gone. Which brings me to my second point since you brought up Mike Zimmer uh, might be leaving or on lame duck status. The word fresh legs, does that mean anything to you, Mr. Sinigan? Sure. Because the, the, the last secondary people that were here were fat and what I call well-paid and they forgot what it is what got them there to that well-paid status. And I'm talking about the people that are not here no more, all of them. They got a little bit too happy in the pocketbook, and they had to leave. Now Zimmer gets to work with fresh legs and people who haven't gotten paid yet. 
got that big money contract. But that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, I heard y'all talking about the so-called bubble, NBA style. Uh, a word of advice to you people out there who are who got money and that are capable of playing in the NBA. The world is in, is in the middle of a pandemic. We need our sports back, people. We can't sit around here like this no more. I can't, I can't watch movies no more. We need sports. All the madness that went on in the state of Minnesota, all over this nation, we got to have something to say, hey, we need to have something to look at again and feel good about ourselves because if we don't, this nation is going to crack right down the middle and it ain't going to be no big enough tape to put it back together again. You fellas have a nice morning. Yay, in the zone. (laughs) We've been around every week, John. We haven't haven't always been together in studio. Right, yeah. But um, but we haven't missed a beat, which is uh, we're, we're very thankful to the fan for allowing us to stay here on Saturday mornings. I think what John was trying to say is wear a mask, right? I mean, if, if everyone would just try to follow the guidelines of our science yeah, and our yeah, medical yeah. professionals, um, things could slow down like we've seen around the world, except for here. Well, and, and, and it's hard to, to convince people today to wear a mask. And they they have a right whether to wear one or not. So if if it's hard to convince them from what the scientists are telling us, you know it's going to be very hard to keep these young twenty-five guys contained. You know, throughout with the next three or four months. You can't wait to see how this all goes down. I, 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 do you think? I mean, your heart of hearts. Do you think the NBA will crown a champion this year? Yes, I do. You do. I do. They'll somehow get through it. Somehow they get. There won't through. be a mass outbreak of of COVID. A team's no. not going to because if one team, you know, if it hits one team heavy. Is that team out? Is that is everything gone, or do they? I mean, I mean, I'm sure they've put those systems in place. You know, should this happen, then this or that. Uh, look, I'm I'm with John. We all want sports to return. We we don't, but we all want these people to be safe. Oh, for sure. I mean, there are concerns about players that test positive now and they beat it, but we don't know twenty, thirty years from now what the long term damage is to their heart, to their lungs. Nobody knows that. That's true. But there are real concerns about. Um, folks that come down with this and and beat it, how they will, how their bodies will react years from now. Well, none of us know. It's just you know we're just like on a, on the injury report. Mm-hmm. We're all a day to day man. Correct. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's welcome our buddy old Southside guy to the program. Good morning, Southside. Good morning, there, Davey and Trent. Um, hey guys, I want to uh, change the subject a little bit. I. Uh, get us away from basketball and football for a while, but I'm going to talk about two ESPN shows here, and you guys tell me if you saw either of them. Last Sunday, um, ESPN had the three-hour Eagles uh, concert from 2018 from the L.A. Forum, and apparently ESPN is going to be carrying some concerts now. Mm. Either of you guys catch that? I did not. No, I've seen the Eagles documentary that was done a few years ago, but I did not see that concert. Oh, Davey, if, it, if they repeat it, I'm sure they will. It was fabulous. And this is the first time I got to, I'm, I'm a big Eagles fan, being something called Old South Side Guy. So uh, this is the first time I saw Vince Gill and um, Glenn Fry's son, Deacon Fry, in the band, and both of them are just fabulous. I think uh, it's going to be a great show when they come here, hopefully, next year. That sounds good. I've seen them, fortunate enough to see them at the X a uh, number of years ago. And I may not be as big an Eagles fan as you, but I, I do like the Eagles a lot. And, uh, yeah, they put on a great show. I, I would watch that if uh, ESPN rebroadcast. Didn't know they did it. Okay. 
Uh, second thing, guys, uh, another show on ESPN, ESPN on the 30 for 30, and ES, ESPN does a great job on these 30 for 30s, but either of you guys happened to see the four-hour special it was in two parts uh, on Lance Armstrong. Did not, no. Okay, if they repeat that, I highly recommend it. I mean, uh, Lance Armstrong, if you guys can remember back in the 90s, no one knew anything about bicycle racing. Right. He kind of uh, captured the heart of America back in the 90s, uh, winning all these Tour de France's, and he won seven of them. And he was really at the top. I mean, he was right up there with Jordan and all the other athletes of the 90s as being a, you know, a great American hero. And to see how this guy was on the top and the way he fell with his drug accusations and everything. And he had a lot of parallels in some way in his character to Jordan. He uh, fought with his teammates. He left the sport for two years, came back, won another Tour de France like Jordan did when he came back. And I, I highly recommend it to you guys. I'm sure they're going to repeat this again, but it's worth watching. All right. Thanks for the uh, the tip. Thanks, Southside. Um yeah, I remember when when the Tour de France was popular when Armstrong was winning, and you did short. They'd show the different stages, days to days, and going up the mountains, and you just wonder how can these guys bike hundreds of miles up hills, and and you know whether well, they had some enhancements to help well, them to to help them along. I think clearly yeah. we found yeah, that was true. I don't know if everybody did, but certainly a number of them did. Uh, and for Lance Armstrong as well. Yes, that's yeah. why he, that's why that's why he failed so quickly. Correct. Yeah. Um, cheating is never really tolerated. Too no. Much. Um, at least uh, when it comes to sports. In other parts of the world, cheating well, he said, he said seems every, to be celebrated he these said days. everyone else was doing it. Yeah. So you, and he got caught. And who, who, was, the, who was the sprinter? But the guy was from Canada. Was it Ben Johnson? Yeah, Ben yeah, Johnson. All of a sudden, he ran against, um, I'm losing thought of the guy he ran against. Um, well, don't ask me. I'm Carl not Lewis. great track and field. Carl Lewis. Oh, Carl Lewis. He ran against Carl Lewis, and Carl Lewis said, you know, he knew Ben Johnson was a, was a good sprinter. All of a sudden, they, they had a race, and he said, and Ben Johnson just blew the field away. He said, no, something's wrong here. He needs to be tested. Mm. I know he, he's a good runner, but he's not that fast. You know, he, he's, not, he's not that far away from the rest of us in terms of, of his performance. There is no way that he can run that fast because I, I know what Ben Johnson can do. Right. But then they found out that, you know, he had a, a few enhancements, you know, to help him blow away the field. Yeah. If you're going to blow Carl Lewis, I mean, if you're going to beat Carl Lewis, by, by, do it by a whisker. Well, yeah, it, Don't it, lap it, him. Right. If, if you're going to beat him convincingly, <laughs> yeah. you know, then, then, gonna raise then, some eyebrows, then, then something's way. wrong. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, we're late for a break. We'll come back. Chat more NBA reboot uh, in the zone. The fan. on a Saturday morning. Tucker and Sinekin hanging out with you. Glad to have uh, you with us on this Saturday morning. Tita Green follows us top of the hour. 
We are, um, what is today, the 11th, about 19 days away from the NBA season resuming in uh, in Orlando, Florida. 22 teams will make their way there to play a truncated eight-game end to the regular season, um, get their sea legs, and then uh, we'll have the playoffs. So what's um, your take that uh, the James Harden and Russell Westbrook did not take the team plane? They did not, um, but they are flying in a few days later. Privately? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. Um, concerns? I mean, you're going to be with these guys. Um, I, don't, I, I saw that story, Double T. I wasn't really sure how to take it. What, what, what's your take? <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I don't really get it. Um, right. If you're that concerned that you don't want to fly with your team, what are you going to do well, once you're yeah. in the hotel? How can you play with them? Uh, we've seen that uh, on the Timberwolves meter, uh, the one thing worth watching is how the Brooklyn Nets finish. Because if Brooklyn makes the playoffs, then the Wolves will get their draft pick in this year's draft, whenever it may be. Okay. Are we going to Chicago? That still is up in the air. I've not heard that finalized. There is talk that the eight excluded teams are going to have their own little Chicago bubble. I think the what they're wrestling with is I think the eight teams don't want a bubble like the playoff teams because they're not playing for anything other than giving their players some competition and being able to watch, get more data on the players they have to see who they want to sign, keep, whatever. They'd rather have their own little mini camps and then meet up somewhere for some games. I think so. I think they're still wrestling with not in Chicago. Do we? Yeah. Anywhere. Do we have to go to Chicago, or do we have a few regional sites? Okay. Uh, where you can train in your own place, and then you know head down to wherever to and play. Chicago a, a is, games. A, is a tough spot right now. A lot of different things taking place in Chicago. Is that right? It may not be the right place to go. What's going on in Chicago? Well, you know, social unrest. You know, pandemic. You know, they could be a hot spot for a lot of different things. I think a lot of places could fit under that category yeah. right now for yeah. sure. Um, as far as the Wolves go, though, again, they want Brooklyn to hang on to that playoff spot, and half Brooklyn's team is not playing. As we've heard, um, Torian Prince this week uh, announced an injury yeah, that's going to keep gonna play, his way. Right. Spencer Dinwiddie's not going to play. Um, Grant, Kyrie Irving's not going to be around. Correct. Um, they did sign, I think, Michael Beasley, and who else did they sign? Um, prominent. Oh, uh, Jamal Crawford. Yeah. Signed with the Nets, so he'll play. And so they're trying to, to beat off Washington, who's trying to rise up. And Washington, from the Wolves' perspective, it's a good thing. They've got their own issues. Bradley Beal's not going to play. Um, there's a couple players from Washington. Uh, Bertrands is out. So the Wizards are in just as bad shape as the Nets. I mean, bottom line is, whoever gets that eighth spot will play a few games against the Bucks and they'll go home. Okay. They're not going to. So, But it, it does appear like the Wolves will hang on to that pick this year, that that number one pick from Brooklyn, uh, unless they, I mean, I think Brooklyn 10? could. It would be a top 10 pick? No, it'll be, I think, you know, 14, 15, oh, 16. Okay. Middle of the first, top half of the first round, but uh, obviously just outside the lottery. You know, just, you know, the last, you know, the first pick after the lottery, I okay. guess, is what we're looking at. Um, which, in a year where it doesn't appear like the draft has a lot of big-time names, Certainly, we talk about this a lot. Well, it looks like a weak draft, and then some guy drafted 17th becomes the best player in the league. It happens. But what it also gives uh, Rosas and his staff is another chip to possibly package in a deal, should he decide to do that. Now they have two number ones, their own, which could be anywhere from most likely you know one through four. Uh, it could drop a little lower, but odds are it'll be in that two, three, four range uh, and a middle of the first round pick to use as they will, whether it's find that guy that can make a huge difference on a reasonable contract or work a deal where you 
package up a whole bunch of stuff and end up with Devin Booker, which would be awfully nice because Booker's not happy in Phoenix, wants to play with Cat and D'Angelo. But I don't think the Wolves have enough uh, capital to get Phoenix excited about well, that. I, I, I mean, when you when you lock yourself into a, a, a long term contract, in, in knowing that the team is not going to get a whole lot better in your first two or three years, where you put yourself behind the eight ball in terms of having having the ability to move and go somewhere else and play. You know, Devin Booker is is a wonderful offensive talent. And if he's able to go to a team that has, you know, some other some other type, maybe young superstars in, in the making, sure, all of a sudden now they become a, a different team. But I, I I do like him offensively. Yeah, as Jackson, my son, said to me the other day, imagine if we had Booker and, and we had Towns, Russell, and Booker and tried to play some defense. You know, it might be like 200 to 193 every game because none of those three guys well, some, excel on that end of the court. Well, so, someone – of the three is going to have to take a, a step back offensively. And and you have to assume that Carl Anthony Towns is still going to be your first option offensively, and Devin Booker has to be number two. Yep, and D'Angelo is a shoot-first guard. You know, he's and not he's, a guy that... He has that, to become a pure point guard. Yeah. Well, we can speculate, but obviously... Well, the if, Knicks are trying to get him as well because they have World Wide West now. Well, actually, the Knicks might have more... Um, interesting capital to send to Phoenix than the Wolves do, right? I mean, at least they, I mean, it, they it, got young. I mean, they're unproven, but they've got young players that were drafted high, whether they're the right players but or if, not. If, if, but Devin Booker by himself cannot move the needle in New York. Yeah. So at some point in time, the Knicks have been unlucky. For sure, you can you can look at upper management and say what well, things haven't really worked well from that standpoint also. But whenever there was a big-time free agent or free agents available on the market, the Knicks had the money to spend, but those guys chose to go somewhere else. Likely because they didn't want to play for James Dolan, right? So, the, so in some of the ways that, you know, based on what how they felt about management, but also the Knicks have been unlucky as well because they have not been able to cash in on one one or two of those big time free agents during that time. I'm not sure luck has anything to do with it though. I mean, you're you're saying you, you have to think you go to somebody, an iconic franchise in the best arena in, in the world. You have to be you unlucky. But you're playing because, for a crazy owner yeah, who you're nobody unlucky, likes. You're unlucky because you got that person in place. Well, yeah, I don't want to call that luck. Um, I guess Tibbs interviewed yesterday or Thursday yeah. or Friday for the Knicks job. Well, because there was time when Tracy McGrady was on the market and all these guys was talking about what New York or Chicago. Well, could even be last year, Durant, you know, was. But you know whether you. You think that plan for management is not the right deal for you going to New York, but also it's a pressure cooker. It's a it's a different place for a superstar type athlete. You are constantly under pressure every single day from the media, from the fans, and everyone is watching to see how you're going to do. You have to be good six out of seven days. Is that still the case now? I know it was oh, like sure. that when you were there. Still and, there. Is I mean, it? I mean, isn't it just, people, imagine, just imagine if LeBron James goes to New York. Think about the attention you know, that's going to be on that basketball team on a daily basis. Well, right. Think about the expectations that people are going to expect from him, you know, on a daily basis. If if he doesn't get them to a championship type situation with a chance to win, they're going to say, "Well, this wasn't worth it." 
And a lot of players don't want to live under that scrutiny yeah. all the time. It's, and if you don't have the other pieces to go along with you to make you a real strong basketball team, it can be it can be grueling. It can be tough. You can begin to doubt yourself. You can lose confidence because New York City is not going to change. And if you're not able to live up to some of those expectations when you're supposed to be the guy, it can be a very difficult place for a lot of guys to play. Well, it's been what twenty years, really, since yeah. it's been a franchise. Like I said, you know, it to, to me it it was amazing to see. And I know the Yankees had great talent, you know, around Derek Jeter, but for him to be able to perform for twenty some years in New York City, like he was able to do under the spotlight time and time again. You know, that was just fantastic for me to see. Yeah, and better ownership, better front office that knew how to build around. But he had to deal with George Steinbrenner as well. well and and there was no tougher owner, you know, than George Steinbrenner. We got to pause. One final break. Uh, we'll come back. Final segment of In the Zone coming up. The Fan. Forty-one final segment. Today's edition of uh, In the Zone. Tucker and Senekin hanging out with you. T D Green follows at ten. Saturdays with Sauce. After that, at the twelve o'clock with Meat Sauce Nordo and the usual cast of thousands. We're talking about uh, the NBA, the reboot two and a half weeks or so from now, and whether the Wolves and the eight excluded teams may end up getting together and playing some games in August to just give the players some mileage, get them some competition so it's not uh, nine months uh, between games. And so uh, as we think about whether it makes sense, and I think that's, Trent, ultimately my question for you. Every team of these eight excluded teams um, is in a different spot, and, and they're all going to have different answers. And I think it's it's complicated for Minnesota because on one side, never saw Cat and D'Angelo play together, and You've got players you brought in, you remade the team in the middle of the season and really didn't get a chance to watch how it played out. And so some of these guys you brought in, like Beasley and like Hernan Gomez, are pending restricted free agents who you can resign if you choose to, but you have to be very careful with the cap space you have. And with these eight games, if you, not eight games, whatever they decide to do, whether it's three games, four games, whether the Wolves and the Bulls and the Hawks and these the Warriors and these teams that have not, Qualified, always the Knicks. Um, What's the upside for the Wolves? If if you're the front office and this goes forward, that they decide to play a handful of games, sort of like a summer league, would you play your top-line guys? Would Would that give you an idea after all this long layoff and you haven't played together much? Would you really gain anything by putting Cat and Tao and uh, and Russell and and Beasley, a guy that might be a nice third piece, 
on the court together, or if it happens, would you look at it more like, let's let Culver get minutes, let's let the young players, Noel and, and some of these guys, get some minutes and some action. I guess my question is, in your mind, is there a real benefit for the Wolves rebooting in a small way with the other teams? When, when you and I had this conversation a few months ago, I said yes. But based on the situation we're in now, you know, with COVID numbers still increasing across the country, I would say no. All right, so it's more about the, the health issue yeah. as opposed to the basketball issue. Right, yeah. All right, so let's set aside the health, just which we can't, I understand. That's front and center. But from a basketball perspective, would you play the front-line guys? No, not at all. No. I'm, I'm looking at this year was a, a really tough year for, you know, Carl Anthony Towns physically. You know, D'Angelo Russell has been nicked up here and there as well. And to put them in a, let's say, three- to eight-game type situation would not be worth it. Playing the the young kids, maybe some new kid guys here or there, I could see that taking place if if all things were were normal. Get Nas Reed some more minutes. See if Culver can make a free that. throw. Yeah, but I would I would not play my front line guys for sure. No. Well, and obviously beyond Cat's injury, which was really the first major injury, he never missed games until this season. He lost his mom, obviously, to COVID, and so mentally, emotionally he's got to be in a very different place. And the idea of, hey, let's get together for a few weeks and play some basketball, maybe that's exactly what he wants. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's exactly what he'd like to do, but I would think that it would be really difficult knowing that there's no real benefit beyond, I get to play with D'Angelo, my buddy, we're teammates now, we get to actually play a few games. Is that worth any risks, yeah. uh, not but, only you know to the health, but also injury-wise? Yeah, because you know he had a very difficult year. He had a very tough year physically. You know, they couldn't keep him on the floor. He was he was banged up here and there. And there's no way to – I could see putting him in a situation where you're not going to gain anything out of it. You already know what he can do as a player. And to put him in a situation where he could risk a further injury, and now let's say if the season does get back to some sort of normal status going forward. Like in December, you mean, like next season? Yeah, and then and then he's not around at the start of the season. You don't want to make bad, deci- bad decisions when you don't have to make a decision at all. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't see any reason to play those two guys. We all want to see them play together. We can wait till December. We don't need to see a few games in August just to feel good that our guys got to play a little basketball. On the other side, there are so many new players that they don't know much about. You know, they found Nas Reed, you know, after the draft, and he looks like a nice, you know, piece with potential. He's certainly got uh, some offense to his game, and he's very young after one year at LSU. And giving him a little extra action, you know, might be beneficial for the front office to watch him as well as, you know, the other guys we've talked about. It's such a crucial offseason for this organization because they don't have a draft pick next year, you know, in, in the following year's draft, which is going to be already looked at as one of the best draft classes in recent years, of course, right? Uh, they gave that up in the D'Angelo Russell trade. So they need to make moves in this weird truncated offseason to set them up for the next couple years because they're not going to be able to do much in the following offseason as far as the draft, unless they trade into the draft somehow. So I can see the benefit 
for some of these guys getting together and playing just to give the front office more data on the guys they have. And again, how much you make of that data in such a weird environment? You know, what do you take from a couple games against the Bulls and Hawks in August? You know, yeah. does that teach you much? But just maybe it's just more about the players getting out there and not, you know, being uh, locked up, sidelined for nine months yeah. before they play competitive Locked games. For, I should say for so long. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it, it's a tough situation for the front office. That, yeah, but I think right now with with this health situation as it is, do you want to continue to put more stress on the system when you don't have to? Because they're not going to really gain a whole lot out of this situation. Yeah, if numbers were going in a different direction, and we could see you know light at the end of the tunnel, and you want to put some sort of, like, as you mentioned, some sort of small summer league deal together with these eight teams or some of these teams that are not going to take the trip down to Disney. Yeah, that could that yeah that could work. That could be fun. But right now where we are, I just don't think it's, it's the right thing to do, you know, to add more stress to the situation as it is. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Um, should mention the Lynx started practicing the last day or two as they get set for another season. It's a... Um, 22 game, yeah. WNBA season, I think this year. Um, obviously, expectations are different for this team now. With a lot of the familiar names are no longer there. Simone Augustus is gone. Obviously, Maya, Maya Moore, Moore taking another year Lisa off. Wayland is coaching. Yes, she is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a different off season, a new season for the Lynx. Um, but again, we talk a lot about the NBA rebooting. Hope WNBA can get their season in as well and. You know, it's just like every day, you just you almost wait for the shoe to drop, right? <laughs> you just it's hard to know what to. It's going to take place in the next twenty four hours, right? Exactly. Uh, it is. It's hard to believe that we are going to see basketball here in a couple weeks, and baseball even sooner. I think what baseball's two weeks away. We talked about the Twins are practicing in in an empty stadium, and they're wrestling with do we pump in some fake sound? Just because imagine, I mean, we'll be watching these Twins games on TV. And and we've talked about this about the NBA um, situation too. Do you pump in fake sound just on the TV broadcast for the list the viewers, or do you actually do it in the stadium for the players and the arena for the players? I mean, as you're a, if you're a player, if you're part of this reboot, you're playing for the whatever Boston Celtics, and they decide to just pump in natural sound of crowd in the arena while you're playing. Do you need that? I mean, I, no, I wouldn't. I don't know how what any why any player would need it. Now I can see it on the telecast just to give you that ambiance as a viewer, just to hear and, and not just silence. But as a player, that to me that would be distracting. It's like it's fake noise that it's unnecessary. Believe me, as a you know as as a person watching, I would have to believe that they may have to turn the audio down. Because you may hear some language that may, that may not be good for our kids. Well, we are going <laughs> to. Let's be honest. We are going to hear that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you, know, you, you can't really do a seven-second delay in basketball, I don't believe, right? So, we, so we're going to have some colorful language that may not be good you know, for some of our viewership? Yeah, uh, I think we can count on that. Um, imagine if Tibbs were coaching right now and we were watching these games. with Not just, Tibbs. What about Hubie Brown? Well, same deal. <laughs> same deal. I think Hubie Brown maybe have more of the four-letter words, but Tibbs with that that just Doug Moe, the same way. Yeah. Oh, I mean, some of the things that used to come out of their mouths on the sideline. Oh, <laughs> you know, if they just made a segment and put that on on a certain station, you know, that 
where most kids didn't listen to and adults could listen to it, you would find it very entertaining. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I wonder what baseball will do, because I know that some of the players are, are already saying, man, it's it's weird to, to play, because they've had squ- you know, scrimmages, squ- inter-squad scrimmages, in a, in a silent ballpark, you know, and just, and how will that be to watch that on TV where you don't hear? Well, you're going to hear coaches now really uh, going after the officials. Well, not in baseball. You, you probably could when they, when they have From to, the dugout? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I mean, obviously oh, basketball is a different you, story. Yeah, in the dugout, you know, some of the things that the the managers can be yelling at umpires. You think we'll hear that, though? Oh, for sure. On TV? That mic's going to be right there. And maybe they won't put that mic right there for that reason. <laughs> um you know, for baseball to me is not going to be as impacted as much as watching basketball without fans. That that's just going to feel like we're watching a practice. You know, that's why I, I wouldn't mind watching a game on TV basketball wise where they pumped in some fake sounds of you know. Otherwise, you're just going to hear the squeaking of the sneakers, right? And and whatever f bombs and it's the beauty of the game and that sort of it's stuff. All natural. Um, it's know, uh, sneakers squeaking, ball bouncing, colorful language from players and coaches. The officials may say a few things as well back to them. Well, we it talk about be entertaining. Yeah, it could be. We, yeah. we we talked about what it does for seeding. You know, we're we're going to watch the last eight games of these uh, of the season as teams jockey for seeding. Where it's not about home court, obviously, but it's about who you match up against and who you avoid, and whether, for example, in the East, you know, if you are a uh, you know a five seed. Versus a six seed, you know, a five seed, four seed, you're going to match up against the Bucks in round two. But if you drop down to the the six seed, you avoid, you know, a potential second round matchup with Milwaukee. So it'll be kind of fun to watch how teams jockey uh, for positioning where where home court doesn't matter, but who you play is more important. And that's what I guess I'll be watching these eight games as they as they play that out. And again, for a team like Milwaukee that hasn't contended really since 1974. You know, that was a team that really fed off that home crowd. Every team does to an extent. But um, because that that fan base hadn't had this kind of a team yeah. for so long, it was. and I, I went to a couple Bucks games this year, it was a different atmosphere. It's kind of like how Golden State was uh, those last years before they moved into Oracle. You know, where suddenly they were, after how many decades of incompetence, you know, Golden State right, was yeah, finally, yeah. and that fan base just fed off that, and that that's why. Led by my guy, Mark Jackson. Correct. Um, <laughs> when a fan base is energized for the first time in a long time, it does give you a different kind of home court advantage. Well, it's, it's great to have the fans there, for sure. I mean, because when, when you're playing well and things are going good and the fans are energized and you can feel the buzz in the arena, all of a sudden now your confidence in your game goes to a whole new level. You have a different type of excitement. And it's and it's and it's it's even better to go on the road where you know that you have a chance to silence the crowd. There's no better feeling. I think most athletes feel that way, right? When you right? go on the road in a seventh game type situation, somehow, some way you find a way to win a tough game on the road. There's no better feeling than you can find. And obviously you look around, there's twenty thousand fans. They're slowly leaving the arena. They're disappointed. Mm-hmm. Is because you know you were able to to rise to the occasion, for sure. You know having the fans in in the arena is is fantastic. But just like when the rules change, players make adjustments to different rules to different officiating. We understand now this is the new normal for them, so they will make those adjustments as well. It'll be very interesting to watch uh, NBA in empty arenas and what that experience is like for for TV viewers and how it affects TV viewership. 
Are we going to see just baffle numbers of people dying to watch the NBA, or about it. or is the product just not the same? You still want to watch it because you know the cast. Well, the diehards are like well, us. Well, the cast of characters are still the same, right? You know, just because there's no fans, LeBron James still is going to show up. Giannis is going to be the diehards will watch, but will the casual fan watch? Sure. That's what we will learn. We all at home right now. What else we, we have? Anywhere else to go? I know John from Minneapolis. What are we going to do? We got to go. Um, have a great week, my friend. Do the same, Let's buddy. do this again next All right, Saturday. Man. All right. For Max, for Trent, I'm Dave. Thank you for tuning in. We are out of time. Please stay tuned to T to Green and the Double T and I are back next Saturday. Have a great week.